Welcome everyone to Unsafe Space. I'm your host, Carter Laren, and today we are excited to be joined by the hosts of What's Happening, uh, Nico and Shane. Nico and Shane uh, host the What's Happening podcast, which is a show that gives you a unique slant on what's happening in the world today. You can follow Nico on Twitter at Petite Nicoco and Shane at Shane's Calf. I will put links and uh, the actual spelling below in, in the summary. Uh, and you can follow them also on YouTube uh, at the What's Happening podcast on YouTube. We'll put a link to that below as well. Uh, guys, welcome to the show. Thank you for taking the time to speak with me. Yeah, thanks for inviting us. Happy to be here. Yeah, thanks for having us. So I got to start by the the very first thing. I learned today that not everyone knows what HAPA means. <laughs> Educate us. You can go ahead. You want me to do it? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so HAPA is basically just uh, another term for half Asian. Uh, so for me, I'm half Korean and I guess half uh, like British, I suppose, or half American. I don't know what, what it would be, but then what about you? You don't know what half. Well, I know what I am, but you know, for everyone else, it's less than yeah, exactly. Um, and then my uh, my mom is Filipino Chinese, and then my dad is white, I guess. Yeah, yeah, American. So uh, since we're both Hapas, we thought that was kind of interesting. So people started calling us the Hapa supremacy couple, mm -hmm. and then we kind of were like, okay, well, that's like a that's kind of like an interesting name yeah. for a podcast or something like that because people were telling us to make a podcast. Um, so that's kind of how that came about. Yeah, that was back uh, when we were just doing like the YouTube. We named ourselves Hoppa Supremacy, and then when we made the our uh, podcast, that's when we uh, named it What's Happening. So that's weird. Okay. Yeah. What I like about it is that uh, the supremacy part is usually only used by like people who want some sort of ethnic purity. So it's kind of cool to be like the supremacy of the mixed race. It's very nice. Yeah. Yeah, it was funny now, because oh, sorry, I was just gonna say that. Um, go ahead. Um, we had to change the name from Hapa Supremacy to What's Happening because YouTube started banning channels that had the word supremacy in it. So that's that's the reason. <laughs> of course they did. Yeah. Of course they did. So yeah. we now we know that white people are evil. So you're at least half evil. But also I've noticed that Asians, um, by a variety of metrics, Asians are outperforming whites in America. So. It's not clear whether Asians are also evil. Do you know which half of you is the oppressor and which is the oppressed? I guess it depends on who you're talking to, I suppose. It depends on the situation. Yeah. Like whoever benefits from from whatever situation, then that, that's who's oppressing who. Exactly. Do you oppress yourselves often? Oh, all the time. You know, I'm, I'm always like clashing myself, you know, just like, what do I do here? And then. I go, oh, my Asian side is really oppressed right now. Then my white goes, my white side is like, oh, well, you know, maybe I'm being oppressed because, you know, all the. Um, not good at math. Yeah, not good at math. So. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I'm just, uh, I'm curious what I've been following you guys. I think I, I first found you through Nico on Twitter because we'll get into this later, but you're uh, an epic troll on Twitter. <laughs> and, um, and then I, and then I found you and, uh, uh, Shane and both of you and start to follow both of you. What inspired you to start a podcast and not just stay on Twitter shitposting all day long? Uh, well, kind of what she was alluding to before, how people were saying that we should make a, a podcast or just at the beginning, it was just a YouTube channel. And then we kind of just decided, eh, let's make a podcast because, you know, we, we like kind of the 
political world and everything like that. And we find it interesting. So we just decided to make a podcast and the, the hop part is just, I guess, identifying ourselves at on uh, who we are in terms of what we look like. Um, and then we kind of let everything else kind of just um, people decide for themselves, you know, what we're saying. We, I mean, we give our opinions on things, but then we kind of let people also decide what, what they want to um, decide on whatever topic we're talking about. Yeah. And like a lot, a lot of the reason why we started doing a podcast rather than a YouTube channel was because we wanted to interview people like interesting people. So we had on a lot of interesting guests like Scott Horton and Tim pool and people like that. So, yeah. And so how would you describe, are you guys like politically active? How would you describe your politics? Um, well, I would say nowadays, probably in in the past, like, I don't know, like three or four years or so, I would say. Um, I kind of been more of a libertarian leaning type of person, uh, all thanks to um, Dave Smith and his podcast, Part of the Problem. That's really the uh, the red pill moment for me was listening to his podcast. Um, but then uh, more recently, I've definitely been going more anarchist for sure. Like just thinking about the state in general, just being just a sham and um really just especially now how everyone's with the whole biden thing happening and you can see the people just they're crying their eyes out and they're all saying these things that are just kind of ridiculous like oh my gosh i can't believe that biden's president kamala harris looks so beautiful and everything like that they're basically worshiping the state so i'm completely on the opposite end of that and and what about you um i'm kind of similar i've been going more anarchist lately just because of all the stuff that's happened in 2020 with the state um, enforcing lockdowns and just everything that's been going on. Um, But before that, I, I also consider myself a libertarian leaning, although I don't know if I can, I don't know, like there's certain people who'd say that I'm not libertarian enough, but uh, I guess uh, socially I'm more conservative, but then like politically I'm libertarian. Right. Right. I mean, has your outlook changed? I mean, it sounds like your outlook's changed very recently. I mean, did it start changing just with this recent election or did you start to change as you saw the kind of rise in social justice and the left? The left kind of unmasked themselves from an authoritarian perspective, I would say, in the last couple of years. Um, Has that was that an impetus at all or has that not really affected your thoughts? Uh, no, that was a huge effect because everybody was just complaining about the dumbest stuff. And we're kind of just thinking, you know, why are, why are people complaining about this? And, you know, talking about how America is some, uh, I mean, obviously America is going to have, uh, has problems in its history and everything like that. And there's no denying that, but talking about from where we are now to what we were before in terms of just how far things have come for, I guess, social justice or whatever, it kind of just makes you go like, you know, like, I don't understand why they're, you know, so angry or whatever. Yeah. And like the weird part for me has been seeing people who were rioting in the streets last year saying, you know, like all cops are bastards and everything now saying like, okay, we need to turn in people to the FBI because you were at that, at the Trump rally in DC. So it's just kind of like, are you just, you're only against the state when it's not your side or like, yeah, that, you know it's, I mean? it's democracy at work, basically. It's only when my side is in power, that's when democracy is awesome. But when my side's not in power, it's it's the end of the world and everyone's going to die. Right. Well, and you saw you got you know, you mentioned this also with the um, 
with this, I'll, I'll just say that the storming of the Capitol, I'm kind of using that uh, ironically, but they, you know, yeah. they, they certainly blew out of proportion what happened on the sixth, but you did see they treated it as if there was uh, as if it was a sacrilege, their sacred, their sacred institution had been invaded. And it's okay to burn down Starbucks and targets and smash other people's property and kill people in the streets if you're rioting over George Floyd. But how dare you enter the sacred cathedral of the state uh, and cause any problems? Yeah, exactly. I mean, just, uh, you know, and it's funny, too, because the whole hypocrisy thing, like, it's kind of just obvious to the point where it's like, don't really point it out anymore because at the end of the day, they really don't care. And I'm, when, when I mean day, I mean like the state in general, because obviously the Democrats now are going to love police and everything like that. When before police was like the worst thing ever because they wanted to defund the police. But now that Joe Biden's in, they're like, eh, well, maybe, maybe the cops are good again. You know, who knows? Um, but yeah, it's, it's just, uh, it's, it, it's an interesting kind of thing to, to think about when, yeah, you know, we're talking about the storming of the Capitol, quote unquote, and you're kind of thinking this whole thing is just a joke, you know, because people are playing dress up and, you know, they're in the um, where all the, the Congress goes and where the speaker is at and everything like that. And the guy's sitting in the chair. And there was that one video, I don't know if you saw where, you know, that's a one cop saying, hey, you know, I just want to let you know. I don't know how, exactly what he said 100 percent, but he was basically saying the gist was, you know, this is like the most sacred place that you're in right now. And everyone's like, OK, well, whatever, you know, and that's basically how. I feel about that whole thing. It is, it's, it's kind of crazy because in, in all honesty, it would have been hilarious if they actually burned the place down in my opinion, but that's just me. <laughs> well, better that than target, but that's, uh, well, yeah, yeah. That's, that's, exactly. that's an anarchist talking as well. If you keep listening to Dave Smith though, you're doomed. Both of you, um, you're doomed to, to become anarchists. I yeah. Think. So it's all his fault. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I've heard you quote Michael Malice, which is definitely, you know, Definitely, you're on the path to the dark side. What what was your what was your thought about? I don't really know how you guys what you guys thought about Trump um, and the Trump movement specifically as it pertains to statism. Um, well, it's interesting because the whole adage of like you know I don't want to please don't make me defend Trump. Like I felt yeah. like that was kind of a lot of people who hated Trump, but they're like please don't make me defend him. And that's kind of how I felt about his whole presidency was that, you know, there were things that I didn't like about him about, you know, the whole, um, you know, not really en not ending any of the wars and kind of, uh, you know, all the, the trade wars and everything like that. It's kind of one war that not, not a lot of people really talk about in terms of the wars is that his trade war with China, which is terrible, in, in my opinion. Um, but in terms of the whole movement, it's and, and like he's like he said in his uh his farewell speech basically was saying that, you know, this is just the beginning. This movement's not going to go away anytime soon. And I think that's kind of what's going to happen during Biden's presidency and, and, and moving forward after that is that this movement is going to be around for a long time. And I think that it, it wasn't about Trump in terms of him becoming president. It was the fact that it was either Trump or Hillary Clinton and Trump beating Hillary Clinton was like one of his biggest accomplishments was, oh, thank goodness we didn't have that that devil lady in, into the White House or whatever. I mean, it, but at the same time, it was like, well, now we have this Trump guy from New York who is basically like a 1970s uh, type of Democrat, you know, kind of a moderate guy or whatever. And, you know, and if you look kind of look into what his policies were, not just what he was saying in, in the surface, a lot of it was like, yeah, he was pretty 
hawkish with Russia and, and China, especially, you know, of course, with the Russia thing, you know, the whole Russia gate and that whole kind of diluted the whole conversation. Um, but you see some of the policies that he that he was trying to do or enacted and, you know, very hawkish towards Russia, like I was saying. But in terms of like also going back to the movement, I think that. And, and I'm sure you saw this, too, where a lot of people were they felt disappointed and they felt backstabbed when it came to like his final days in office where they felt like he was throwing them under the throwing them under the bus and, you know, not parting, not pardoning the people that they were wanting him to pardon, like Assange and Snowden and Ulbricht. Mm-hmm. And, you know, instead he uh, pardons Lil Wayne, which I'm, I'm okay with because there, that was a gun charge that probably shouldn't even happen in the first place. Just having some possession of a firearm or whatever like that. But at the end of the day, that wasn't what they were looking for. They were looking for those main three that I had mentioned. And so you, you see it on social media. A lot of Trump supporters are just like, okay, well, screw this guy. You know, I felt I was on the train and now when I, I'm jumping off of it as quickly as possible. And some other people aren't like that, but some people are kind of emotional like that. And they feel that this was a, a terrible time. And they felt like his presence, he could have been something great, but instead it was just another big disappointment and another, uh, you know, he just he just became the swamp when he said he was going to drain the swamp. But in reality, he probably drained like maybe like a, a cup full of it. Yeah. And I just wanted to add, I don't think the movement of right wing populism is going away because I think Michael Malice said this, but um, Trump wasn't the river. He was the dam or something yeah, like yeah. that. Yeah. So like yeah. this movement yeah. was, was coming, whether Trump was going to be there or not, but he was just like the catalyst. So I, I feel like. um you know, a lot of people are saying like, well, now we're going to return to normalcy and now we have decency back in the White House or whatever they're saying now about Biden. But I don't think right wing populism is going away. anytime. No, soon. And, and that's a dangerous thing, too, with, uh, in terms of how they look at it, because they're people on the news now are saying, well, we got to do something about, you know, reeducating these people and, okay. and making them think differently than how they thought before. And it's kind of like, well, that's kind of creepy because now you're trying to tell me oh, well, you know, I know you like this one guy before, but we're going to have to do something about this. And it's some it's some crazy times that we're going to be living in here in, in the next at least four years under Biden. And, you know, if he if he does make it all that time or whatever, but, you know, who knows? Yeah, it almost seems that Trump, you know, Trump couldn't articulate this well, but I think he captured some sort of emotional disgust with the state establishment generally, right? That this was the drain the swamp kind of mentality or or feeling at least that people had. And uh, I, it's understandable that it was, it was a big letdown, right? I mean, the least he could have done would be to pardon the three people you mentioned uh, on his way out. It cost him nothing to do that, right? Um, but he really wasn't actually about any of that. And, uh, and I think now we're going to see, you know, I, I think, I think Malice is right. He was the dam. Um, and interestingly enough, as you as you see the left, you know, the left, they talk about unity. All their actions, however, are about disunity. I actually heard someone on NPR say that the path to unity is through division. <laughs> so like, yeah. So they what I mean, I think their idea of unity is we're going to divide the populace and send the people that are the wrong thinkers to reeducation camps or kill them or whatever their plan is, marginalize them somehow. Yeah. And then we'll have unity because you know, we'll all be, we'll all think the same way. Um, there's not really a question there. It's just, uh, it's an interesting, it's an, it's going to be an interesting next four years. Do you think there's anyone that can actually 
be the person that Trump should have been to capture some of the some of that angst and do something positive with it? Well, kind of going uh, first when you're talking about uh, like Joe Biden and, and all that, I, I, it's funny that you um, talk about the re-education camps and, and the old unity and by division or whatever like that. Like that's kind of another strong argument for just we need to like secede or something like that. You know, and I'm not saying that secede is like 100 percent guaranteed going to work or anything like that. But how can this guy, Joe Biden, basically govern what like 300 400 million people in america when i mean i know he's saying oh i'll be your president i'll be uh, you know everyone even if you didn't vote for me i'll be your president it's like come on really like the, these trump people aren't gonna just automatically be like hey you know joe biden he did something for me he's like no they're, they're gonna hate you no matter what and it's gonna be like that forever because there was that you know what was like 74 million plus yeah. people who voted for trump and then the 80 million that voted for Joe Biden. I mean, obviously people are going to, I don't really believe the numbers, but at the end of the day, those are apparently the numbers. So you got to kind of, kind of have to go with what they are, but it's just impossible. I think for everyone to kind of just be like, yeah, let's unite and everything like that. And it's just, well, yeah, these are the same people who are talking about uniting and, you know, you, you should calm down and let's, let's be friends, whatever. But after they called them racist for four years. Yeah. Racist. And that, you know, yeah. And, you know, and, yeah. yeah. Deplorables and, and Russia gay and saying that, well, Trump only won because of Russia. And it's like, okay, well, whatever. Like there's proof of, of that, that was complete crap or anything like that. But then, so, but anyway, with the, uh, the whole, um, I guess moving forward with the, the Trump movement and who would be, um, like someone who could capture that spirit basically is what you're asking. Right. Yeah, I mean, is there someone that do you think that there's anyone that can capture that spirit and and then bring about some sort of positive change, like actually drain some swamp? That that's a hard question. I think I think a lot of um, people who are on that Trump train or whatever, some of I think they're going to have to kind of. It's hard. I think it's really hard to kind of grasp on who that's going to be. Yeah, I can't even imagine. Like, but. I guess to be fair, none of us could have imagined that it would be Donald Trump. Well, yeah, that's right. true. You know, so, when he came down the escalator, everyone was like, yeah, that guy's going to be president. The only person who really got that right was Ann Coulter from yeah. the beginning. Cause she was on Bill Maher saying, oh, I think the only one of the GOP nominee is going to be, you know, is going to get the nomination and become president is, is Joe, uh, is Donald Trump. And everyone was like, oh, you're crazy lady. Come on. And then of course, you know, she ended up being right. So, um, I don't know. I mean, the only name I can really come up with is like Thomas Massey, but I don't know if he has like that, type of personality yeah the charisma, yeah, the charisma to kind of like because i like what he kind of does in terms of just you know being in in the state or whatever kind of trying to do as much as he can to lower the the state power and everything like that but in terms of that charisma of getting all those people that were on the trump train or anything like that i don't that's that's a big it's a big question mark i think yeah yeah well one one of the things that trump uh i think one of the reasons that he was hated by the media well, we'll say we'll use the word cathedral since you guys, you guys know what that means. <laughs> refers yeah. to. One of the reasons that that uh, that Trump was really hated by the cathedral, I think, was specifically because he represented uh, an anti-cathedral sentiment. Right. This is why, and I don't think you see that from other pol like politicians. Very few politicians actually could successfully position themselves as I'm against the system generally, and Trump. Mm -hmm. Trump did position himself that way and they played into it because they they made sure to lie about him in the most obvious ways and treat him like crap for four years. So it was pretty clear by who they were hating uh, which side he was on. Um, 
And I, I don't know if Massey can pull that off. I, I'm more of a secession. I'm kind of on your side. I, I think secession's a bad idea, but it's the best idea we have. So that's depressing, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I guess the weird part is like, it would be hard to separate people by location because it seems like it's the big cities vs everyone else. So yeah, and I, I, I saw something uh, kind of related to secession where um, like the whole Texas seceding from the union is now becoming a, a thing again. And I just read recently, I didn't really look much into it, but I saw like a tweet where someone said that Wyoming is trying to consider also doing that as well. So it's like, wow, Wyoming is now considering seceding from the union too. And it, it, it's just interesting that now that's becoming uh, like a, a forefront issue for a lot of people is that, yeah, kind of what I was saying before about how one guy now has the power to basically rule over every single person in America. And obviously not everybody voted for that guy and not everybody even voted in the first place, you know? Yeah. Well, and, and, and that guy didn't do a, you know, the, the way I look at it, I don't know. I don't know anything about the election cheating. I'm not going to say that there was like, I'll just take the numbers at face value because I don't right, know the right. truth. But if I put myself in the position of someone who was uh, a Trump voter and, and, you know, very excited about Trump. And then I see how Biden and his ilk responded to the allegations of questionable election integrity and fraud. You know, if if Biden felt like he had won legitimately and that there was no fraud, you would expect him to say, let's take our time and let's just really deeply investigate this and let's take these really seriously. And we will take this, we'll go through all the steps. He would encourage everyone to yeah, let's pause. Let's let's really open this up. The, the media would say, "Well, let's let's really look. Let's dig in. Let's take this stuff seriously." Um, and at the end, I'm confident that you'll see that Biden won. But they basically did the opposite, which was like, you know, you know, nothing to see here. Uh, <laughs> so, of course, people don't trust it because they didn't act like trustworthy winners. They acted like people who really didn't want you to look under the hood at all to see how they won. Um, and even if it was legitimate, it totally makes sense to me that you've got 74 million people or whatever the number is now who kind of feel like, I don't trust it. Um, and I think that's more dangerous than just not having a president that you like in office because the latter happens all the time. But usually we trust the election. Yeah, it seems like now, like from the 2016 election to now, now a lot of people are not trusting in how the system is working. So it seems like we're on a, a downhill from here as far as like the whole trust in the democracy process. Yeah. People can't even trust it. Yeah. So. I think people, you know, it's like when Trump was in office, like it kind of was saying before where democracy is looked at as, Oh, you know, we need to get rid of the electoral college and everything like that. Cause you know, Trump didn't win the popular vote. So we got to yeah. make this the thing now, but now that Joe Biden won the electoral college, that whole issue got thrown out the window. And now, Oh, the electoral college is awesome again. So again, it's always the flip-flopping between the, the two major parties, Republican and Democrat. And it's just, it's so funny to see whenever like the face is basically just shown to everyone, like the mask is taken off and everyone goes, oh yeah. And that's one of the things too um, about Trump's presidency and his legacy. That's another thing that he's going to be remembered, at least in, to me, he's gonna, I'm going I'm to remember Donald Trump as the guy who kind of took, he basically took the mask of the corporate press and basically was like, yeah, these look, these guys are fake news and, you know, they're, they're not there for you. They're the enemy of the people to, again, quote Michael Malice. 
Um, right. But but again, it's like one of those things where the the corporate press's approval ratings are just about as low as Congress was at, at a, a particular time, if not lower. And again, it also depends on what news network you're watching, because if you if you talk to someone who just watches CNN religiously, they're going to be spouting out CNN talking points. And if you talk to someone who just you know watches Fox News again, they're just spouting out their nonsense. So it's like kind of one of those. Well, who 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 do you trust? And it's kind of hard to trust anybody now at this point. And again, it's like, how is, how is someone going to be able to govern all these people when they can't even trust the guy that's in there? Now, I, I mean, you, I think the three of us share similar politics, at least uh, I would put myself more firmly in anarcho-capitalism, but you'll get there. Mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, <laughs> but, you know, as, as someone who's, who's an anti-cop, I look at this and I kind of think, well, one of the things I like about Trump is that uh, he caused people to disrespect the presidency yeah. and have no respect for the federal government, which is about as much as respect as it deserves. And, uh, and people stopped having respect for the media. So if he did anything really great, that's what I, that's, that's the best part of his legacy that I can think of is that people came out on the other side of his presidency, recognizing the corporate press for the sham that it is. Um, and really realizing that, you know, the office of the presidency doesn't necessarily need to be respected. Those are just people. Uh, they're not gods. Yeah. And, and that's another thing, like you go on especially today during the inauguration, oh, it's like man. you go on Facebook and everyone is just like, Oh, this is amazing. I can't believe we have, you know, like she was saying before, Oh, we finally have this guy. He's so nice. People and we're like, I'm, I'm crying now. I can't, can't control myself. Yeah. And I'm it's like, president. It, it, it's so it, it's, it's like, I think even the people who, who loved Ron Paul at the, in 08 and in 12, and he was running, I'm sure when he, if he had went, uh, if he had won, I'm sure all the Ron Pauls, I don't know if they, maybe they would be crying. I don't know, but I don't think they'd be like acting not. like, yeah, I know. I don't, but I don't think they'd be acting like, oh my God, look at this. He's a God and I'm going to worship him. Yeah. I would hope, and, and this is like for anyone, like, especially for the, the Ron Paul supporters, I would hope if he did win, they would be like, well, now that you're president, I'm going to, everything you had promised, I'm going to hold you to it. I'm going to yeah. put your feet to the fire. If you, if you screw with me and you, and you, you know, I catch you on a lie, well, I'm going to call you out on it. And I think a lot of Ron Paul supporters would probably agree that, yeah, I would have called out on him if he, if I, if he did something I didn't like. If he started a war or something? Right, exactly. Right. Well, yeah. of course, because Ron Paul supporters generally are supporters of him, not because it's a cult of personality, but because they like the principles for which he stands. And so right. if he abandoned them when he got into office, uh, I think they would be the first people to call him out. You know, if he mm -hmm. if he immediately, if it President Ron Paul said, hey, let's go bomb Syria, I, I think people would, his base would turn on him immediately. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you brought up uh, people crying uh, in joy, which kind of leads to something else I want to talk about, because I think, Nico, I think I saw you today admit your tearful joy over Biden's presidency on Twitter. Uh, <laughs> and I, you are you're an you're an exceptional troll, but you don't just troll the right and you don't just troll the left. You also troll libertarians pretty well. Um, yeah. And the, the, the one that. I one of the things that I noticed today again uh, you did was uh, your response to Biden's mask post um, where you were saying like oh I, yeah I wear my mask taking a shower and sleeping <laughs> that one went on forever can you talk about talk about your trolling just for a minute and let people know how, what what goes on because I think people just don't people go on and they just don't they don't understand that you're actually in agreement with them <laughs> but you're trolling. 
I just, I don't know. I started doing it because I'm like, well, th this is not like, you know, Twitter's kind of a, a cesspool of, you know, negativity. So I just yeah. started being sarcastic with people. And I thought at first I thought, because I've been doing this for like a year now. Um, but I thought people would get it, but people just don't get it. Like people don't have any sarcasm meter at all. Even if you say something really obvious, like I wear a mask in the shower, they're like, wow, look at this idiot. And I don't know why, but it's to me, it's easier to troll right wingers than it is to troll left wingers. They catch on faster and think that I'm making fun of them. But the right wingers, I don't know why. I, I guess they just expect like, you know, leftists to be stupid. So they they think that I'm serious. Yeah. Without even looking, like if you took one look at my profile, you could tell that I'm not a leftist. But they well, don't. You do have pronouns in your profile now, so. Oh yeah, I, I had it for like a week. I took it out though. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I, so a lot of people I think would see trolling as kind of an outlet for some form of nihilism, but knowing what I know about you, and I don't know you guys well. I mean, we we haven't met except for today, but I know. I know you're pregnant, by the way, congratulations. And I know that you struggled for a while. Uh, none of, uh, this is all public information. I know you struggled for a while to, to be able to conceive. And I assume that means you've got some optimism. You're bringing, you're bringing a boy into the world. You must have, you can't be a nihilist. You must have some optimism about the future. Uh, where does that optimism stem from? And what, <laughs> what kind of, what kind of future are you imagining? So, yeah. Um, yeah, since we're pregnant and we're, we're finally pregnant, it took us a year of medical intervention to get pregnant. Um, I could say I'm white pilled because I, I can see like a good future for individuals, you know, maybe not the world, the state of the world. But then when you think about it, it's like, is the state of the world ever going to be in a good place anyway? So you might as well focus on your own life. Yeah. Um, and then like, like when you tied it to the, the trolling to nihilism thing, I guess I'd just go on Twitter to troll to um, just pass the time and <laughs> wait till I have a kid because I'm sure when I have the kid, I won't have time to do yeah. that anymore. <laughs> so, yeah, it but. does. I mean, it, it does accomplish. It does reveal that Twitter's a cesspool for anyone who forgets. Mm -hmm. They just have to watch some of your trolling. And it's it's like, oh, no wonder no one can have conversations about anything on Twitter. This is ridiculous. Yeah. So why even try? Just, you know, that's why I don't argue with people. If you argue with people on Twitter, you're going to be miserable unless you really like arguing for some reason. I, I mean, maybe because I'm a woman, but I don't really like arguing with people in real life. I'm not very confrontational at all. But yeah, it's so much easier to to just joke with people and see if they get it. Yeah, it's like the opposite for, yeah. you know, for me. I'm not as much of a tweeter as she is, but like in person, I, I can talk quite a lot quite a yeah. lot so are you guys worried about getting kicked off of twitter i mean i don't see any overt reason why you would be but that doesn't mean anything yeah they they'll ban you for anything really now because I, I saw people getting banned for jokes um just calling someone stupid can get you banned now yeah. um apparently that's ableism so that can get you banned <laughs> uh <laughs> so i'm trying to build on mines right now yeah. uh just because you know parlor it, well parlor was kind of sketchy just because of some of their terms of service anyway mm -hmm. but now their site is kind of 
broken. And then Gab, you don't have any app. So what's the point? Like it doesn't even load. Um, and yeah, so Mines is probably the best alternative that we have right now, but it seems like they're trying to go after Mines. So I don't know if that's even going to work out for us. Yep, They just want it to be Twitter and that's it. Yep. That's all they want. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, you know, I think one of the reasons Gab is slow, I'm not, by the way, I'm not really, I'm on all of them, but in a really lame way. Like I don't really interact. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, but um, Gab, I think, is slow because they physically own their own servers. They built everything, mm -hmm. um, so they couldn't be canceled. But what that means is they also can't scale very quickly. So when everyone runs over to Gab, I've had the same experience. I've tried to load it the last few days just to take a look at it and just kind of sits there and times out. Uh, do you? What do you say about the um, – this is a, a fun libertarian argument. What do you say about – the censorship on private platforms, where do you stand on that? And uh, yeah, what would you do if you were the, the god of the universe? What would you do with Twitter? Oh man, that, that's a, I think this that's, is, this is yeah. like the, the libertarian question because you're like, well, no, it's a private company. We can't. Yeah. But I mean, but yeah, that, the whole argument about, oh, it's a, it's a private company. They can do what they want. It's like, well, that's like, that's going to get you so far. I mean, we're kind of at that point where, Oh yeah, they're a private company. They do what you want. It's like okay, well then if they ban you, then I guess hey, they're a private company and they do what they want. Yeah, and let's not forget to mention that they're not really a private company if they're taking government subsidies and they're bas basically working hand in hand with government yeah. to share our data back and forth and stuff. Yeah, so. and and also like when they were having all those uh, congressional hearings, you know, uh, like Mark Zuckerberg and Jack Dorsey and, and all that, you know, basically saying, Oh no, we're not, we're not doing any of that stuff. And then they're still doing it. So it's like, well, they lied basically. And so, you know, all, all of that is so dumb, but I, yeah, it's a hard, it's a hard question. I think for libertarians to answer because like, it, I don't even, I don't even really know what to say about that because yeah, we don't really have a, a solution for that but all we know is that it's it's something that we all have to think about and i think um this is i mean the internet is fairly still fairly new so this mm -hmm. is like new territory for everybody trying to figure out how to navigate this kind of thing because you could say that uh twitter can ban whoever they want and so then people m try to move to another platform but then apparently they're like, you know, like the example with Parler, people tried to move to Parler, yeah. but then their servers got taken down. And then at what point are you saying like, well, now you have to build your own server and everything. So, because, right. you know, well, it's another it's one of those private it's, server. Yeah. That's another one of the things like, well, just make your own, just make your own, just make uh, your own server. Yeah. Just make like, your well, own internet. Yeah. Like me, I'm going to be able to make my own server. I'm half Asian. I can't figure this out. I'm stupid. <laughs> well, I mean, and eventually it's going to be, I mean, have your own power plant, right? I mean, right, yeah. like, I mean, there's a lot of infrastructure that you rely on. And, you know, that I think something that trips a lot of libertarians and minarchist types up about this is this assumption that politics is divorced from culture and philosophy. And this idea that like, oh, if you have the right rules politically, society will function well. And I just think that's a false idea society doesn't function if the culture and philosophy underneath it is corrupt and horrible then it doesn't really matter what the rules are you could have great rules but if everyone wants to ban you because you're not using the right pronoun or you're whatever whatever you're doing no one wants to do business with you then that's the society you live in society just kind of sucks and that's a really hard pill to swallow 
Yeah. And it's also not just social media uh, places. It's also, you know, I've heard about uh, like banks basically banning people from using their service. It's like, yeah, that's crazy. You can't hold your money there. So, you know, and also I heard too, um, just recently, I think uh, it was, uh, I think her name's like Janet Yellen or something like that. She was talking some, some crap about cryptocurrency and how, oh, cryptocurrency could be a place, a harbor for, uh, you know, terrorism. Yeah. And it's just like, wow. Okay. So now are they really going to try and crack down on cryptocurrency? I was like, you know, cause a lot of people see that as an alternative to the fiat. Of course they were. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's just like, so <laughs> wow. it's like, come on. Yeah. I mean, that's look, I, I, w- I actually wanted to ask you guys about Bitcoin and cryptocurrency, but, uh, just as a preface, like that's one of the things I was a cryptographer for a, uh, over a decade. Um, and so when when cryptocurrency came out, oddly enough, I like I sort of embraced, but not really, because I, I, I said, well, this is cool, but the government's never going to let this actually do what you want it to do. Like, I know we all have agorist fantasies about this being a an alternate economic system, but guys with guns are going to shut this down eventually. Um, and I think largely crypto is pretty regulated now, right? At least in the US. How do you guys feel about crypto? Well, we're still kind of new trying to figure everything out. We just um, basically got some lessons on it from um, one of our friends. But yeah, yeah, because when we started, we were like, we have no idea what we're doing. And, And people tried to explain it to us. And we're like, still doesn't make any sense um but we finally got like a private wallet and everything and started setting things up so we're still learning about it and i think that it's one of those skills that people should learn um i don't know if you know um julia from brave the world um the name rings a bell but i don't know her now she has a youtube channel um she kind of went off the grid though but or recently but she she's uh she speaks about bitcoin a lot and she had, I think she has a book on Bitcoin now. Yeah, I believe um, so. But she has a philosophy and it's a uh, Bitcoin, babies and homesteading. And I'm like, that's, that's a good philosophy. <laughs> that's where you want to be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think I, I, I don't know. I, I waffle on Bitcoin. I think um, we just had Peter Schiff on recently. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you know who, yeah. who Peter yeah. Schiff is, but he's pretty, I love his, uh, economic outlook generally like i love his analysis uh at a macro level but he's pretty bearish on bitcoin mm-hmm. and i tend to think that in the long run he's probably right but the short run could be decades so i'm not really sure uh i'm not really sure how that plays into what to do with crypto i asked i have bitcoin i'm a fan of bitcoin and i'm a fan of homesteading so uh and babies so you know all all three good things um let me ask you this question about libertarians. Uh, th- let's pretend this isn't a loaded question. What the hell's wrong with libertarians? Well, I guess it depends on Where who you're asking. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's kind of, well, kind of like we were uh, talking about before about uh, her trolling with libertarians and everything. It's like whether autism like goes off really badly. And then they feel like, well, I got to tell you everything about libertarianism and why you're wrong. Yeah. And so that's, I guess that's one aspect of it. Um, but also I, I think that a lot of people find who, who aren't libertarians or even libertarians also find other libertarians annoying because of that same thing that I was just talking about, how they always have to tell you everything about why you're wrong and why, you know, you shouldn't believe what you believe in and everything like that. 
And, you know, like I do think that the whole libertarianism philosophy is, is, is awesome and everything like that. Uh, but sometimes I think the, I guess the um, message, well, not just the message, but like the, the, the selling aspect of it, I yeah. think could definitely use some work, you know, yeah. we'll, we'll just, let's go with that. Especially yeah. with the LP. Like, I feel like they don't really represent me at all. Yeah. Which is kind of sad because you're like, oh, you know, we, you're a libertarian. So we actually have a libertarian party, but then I don't really, I can't really relate to them at all with, especially with their messaging anyway. Yeah. And, and a lot of libertarians feel that way. And it, it's, it's not, um, it, it shouldn't be like that because obviously with the two major parties, a Democrat and Republican, even the Democrats are in, they may not hundred percent feel Oh well, I don't think everything in the Democrat Party is is for me. They'll still be a Democrat because, you know, I feel I'm a Democrat, so I should go there. But libertarians who are in the Libertarian Party or they want to leave, they go, well, you don't represent me anymore, so I'm going to go away, and then I'm just going to like not participate in this system anymore and just not vote ever again. Or even I, or even if they are in the Libertarian Party and they don't vote, but just the fact that they're in the party and they're a registered vote or a member. Or anything like that. Yeah, I go kind of go back and forth between that yeah. though, because I'm like, well, why would I want to participate in a system I don't believe in? But also, we have a Libertarian Party. I don't know. And then you know the whole thing with Dave Smith trying to take over the party with the Mises Caucus. So yeah. isn't this a Mises Caucus shirt? Yep. Oh yeah. Yep. Okay. Oh, is it? Let me see. Wait, we can't see it all. Print guns. Nice. Print, Print guns, guns, not money. Not money. Yep. <laughs> I'm here, here on that one. Uh, yeah, I. Didn't the Libertarian Party was is it Joe Jorgensen who was running? Didn't she? She like this is one of the most disappointing things to me. And, and I've never been a I'll, I'll say I've almost never been a fan of the party because there's always some weirdness. But she embraced like critical race theory stuff and started virtue signaling a social justice warrior during the during the primary. And I was like, well, th there doesn't seem to be actual principles behind the Libertarian Party. It there seems to just be this kind of we're for freedom, but we don't know what that means. So go. And I, it seems like that causes a lot of infighting. Yeah. I don't know. I can just say that um, all of her tweets and Facebook posts were all done by staffers. So I don't even know if she, I don't know if she even approved any of them, but I feel like if you're running for president, you should probably. Well, and as far as I know, I don't even think her Twitter account is even active. I don't, I don't yeah, even the know. last thing that yeah. she tweeted was about a bat, which is like. Was it? Yeah. And I'm just like, so the, the only thing people are going to remember you by is because you got bitten by a bat. Yeah. In 2020. They should just put bat lady in, on the ballot box. Trump, Biden and bat lady. There you go. <laughs> yeah. I, do you think that Trump has destroyed the Republican Party? Do you th or do you think the Republican Party will will reimagine itself and be more friendly to liberty minded people after this? Well, that's, that's definitely a good question too. Um, I think I think Trump definitely did some damage for sure, um, but also I think like especially like these final days, it really kind of showed you exactly who who they are. I mean, we kind of knew that anyway. But really, these last few days of his presence, you were like, wow, because I heard about um, kind of going back with the whole, his whole pardoning thing and how Mitch McConnell was a huge proponent of like, do not pardon like Assange yeah, or Snowden yeah. because we might come after you afterwards. And, you know, all this stuff, you know, all these charges or whatever against you and all this impeachment stuff, we might, we might actually go through it and actually like put you in jail or something. So they were like threatening him or something like that. So I don't know if that's like 100 percent true, but I did see stuff like that kind of floating around. 
So that's kind of interesting. Um, but yeah, I, I think the GOP definitely needs to do something because, you know, yeah, obviously uh, Trump got the most votes of any GOP presidential nominee, but he's not the president anymore. So it doesn't even matter. And Joe Biden actually beat him in that category because now he's the president. So the GOP really needs to do something in terms of like kind of what the Democrats had to do. And I guess you can kind of argue if they actually did any of that stuff in terms of looking in the mirror, wondering, uh, thinking about what, ha what they needed to do to fix their problems. I was just going to say, it's, well, with the Democratic Party, it seemed like when it came to the election, the, the you know, like the more socialist type or progressives mm -hmm. were willing to work with the, the more moderate liberals. So, but I don't know if that's true for the GOP because, you know, neocons and then the right-wing populists probably won't go together at all. Yeah, I mean, the neocons in the Republican Party, there's they definitely have uh, still have a, a huge uh, hold in that party. Which is um, weird because yeah. the like most people don't support that kind of policy. Well, yeah, and that's another, another reason, too, of like representing the people. And it's like, well, I don't – because most of the people in America want all the wars to end, and yet the troops are still out there. They still have all those contractors over there, and yet – you know, doesn't matter what you think. What I think is actually what's important because I'm actually in Congress. So what I say goes, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and as you've pointed out, it's a bit of a uniparty, right? I mean, yeah. uh, you know, they, we, we, we protest wars in the Middle East until Obama gets into the office. And then we just ignore the fact that he, I think he sent I, something like five times as many drone strikes as Bush, uh, which just... No one talks about it. Um, and and like you said, Trump promises to end wars. And at least he didn't start any new hot wars, but which which is an accomplishment. It's a mild one. But yeah. for a president in recent history, I guess it's an accomplishment. But uh, but yeah, it, it's it's weird because the Trump supporters aren't Republicans in the sense that I don't think they voted for him. No one voted for Trump because he was the Republican candidate. They they voted for him because he was Trump. So I'm not sure where the Republican Party thinks that they are going to have support moving forward uh, if they disavow the Trump supporters. Yeah, because what if the in, in 2024, when all this is up again and we have to figure out who's, who's going to be the president again, it's like, who are they going to nominate? Mitt Romney again or something like that? Like someone yeah, in like that that's gonna work. Like, come on. Like that's like some Lincoln Republican. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's like, oh, so Liz Cheney is going to be the nominee. Ooh, great. Wasn't there like some rumor about Trump starting the Patriot Party or yeah. something like that? I don't know if that's true, but that would be just crazy if that happened. Well, if that if that does happen, the Libertarian Party has a even a bigger climb because I mean they're what like how long has the party been around? Like 50, 60 years now, and what have they accomplished? Uh, I don't know. It's Very like little Gary, in terms of like national level. Gary Johnson got like one percent of the vote or something. Oh wow! Congratulations! Uh, You're going against Trump and Hillary. Good I know. Job. I I do think libertarian efforts would probably be better spent trying to take over one of the major parties rather than siphon votes away. Um, but I don't know if that's even maybe that's not even plausible. I don't know. I'm not a political strategist. So, yeah. And I, I think with that type of strategy, like the GOP, you know, and I guess it depends on where you, you feel you align if you're a libertarian, because I'm sure there's libertarians who feel like they're more Democrat or GOP or whatever. But if we are going to go with that GOP argument, I mean, the GOP is kind of this corrupt and huge monster 
of a, of a party to the point where it's like, well, I would feel at least for me personally, I would think, well, it'd probably be easier to go after that libertarian party because there's not as many people. And then if you try and get more people be like, well, these two parties don't represent you. So maybe if you go to the libertarian party, it would just be, I don't know. It, it's kind of like one of those conundrums where you're like, so do I go after the libertarian party? It's a smaller party and then we can, you know, make it larger or do we go after the GOP party, which is already this massive, thing or whatever i don't think it's possible just because of um well first of all libertarians can't even get more than one percent of the vote nationally and then also with the republican party like you said it's too massive there's too many locked doors i guess we'll see another but yeah i was just gonna say i think it is possible on the local level to do that yeah. take like you know if you're a libertarian just run as a republican if that's popular in your area well, yeah and, and there were there, and there were uh libertarians who did win local races yeah. so it's not like it's not impossible for that to, to work um you know but like kind of going with um the the national libertarian party i guess like because everyone was talking about like let her speak and, and you know have her speak at the debates whatever and it's like that, that just seemed like a huge like dead end like you're really do you really think this massive commission this d debate commission whatever they're called they're going to let this third party lady come in and talk come on we're not going to try and because they really wanted trump out of there so I don't know why would they have this other person be like, well, this lady might take some of the votes away from Joe or whoever. Well, right. well, they didn't even let Tulsi Gabbard speak at the yeah. right. debate, right? Yeah. <laughs> and she yeah. qualified. Right. Yeah, so. exactly. And also with kind of with like the Gary Johnson thing, the, one of the main reasons they even brought him in in the first place is because he's, he was already um, – he, he already had like that state experience because I think he was like a governor or something like governor that. Governor of New Mexico. Yeah. Yeah, so he kind of already had that um, experience or the 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 state. I don't know what the proper term is, but he was already in the state and all that stuff. Joe Jorgensen is just some teacher at a, at a university, so she was kind of like an outsider, quote unquote. And I feel like what the Libertarian Party needs to do is they need to nominate someone that's really just going to like throw haymakers into. Oh, the GOP is this. Yeah, well, guess what? The GOP is actually this, and they're you know this. Take, take the grenade and throw it into the party and then, you know, have an explosion. That'd be awesome. And the same with Democrats. Well, the Democrats are like this, you know, and I think they would need to do that instead of just trying to like toe the line and be nice and say, Oh, well, what, what are the third option? And say, well, why would I, why would I vote for a third option? Like, what's, what, yeah. what, what is that going to do? Yeah. I, I think you're hitting on something important because I think the libertarians have the libertarian party. Generally, they seem to nominate people who have these milk toast issues that no one cares. Like, I know what we'll do. We'll appeal to the people who want pot legalized because we want to legalize pot. And it's like, yeah, sure. Libertarians don't believe in the war on drugs. And that's, I guess, kind of an important issue. But you're not going to win an election on that. Why don't you just point out the fact that the conservatives lie every single time they talk about reducing the size and power of government and they yeah. do the exact opposite? And why don't you say, hey, these things that you're voting for that you want the Republicans to do, they're they're liars. They never actually do it. We'll do it. I, they don't seem to they don't seem to want to address any real issues. Instead, they seem to to focus their attention on trying to get I don't know, like separate them, like make themselves different on, on these issues that, you know, aren't actually that important to most people. You're not going to win the presidency by saying I want to legalize pot. Well, also, I would say too, like, don't come in thinking that you're going to uh this is like your race to lose. Like you're going in to basically be like, there's pretty much no chance of me 
becoming the president in 2024 or 2028 or whatever. So just go in as guns ablaze and like, yeah, like you're truth. Yeah, tell the truth. Like, you know, hey, you know how much money they're printing? Like the national debt's at 28 trillion. You know what that means for your family? Well, let me break it down for you. And right. then you tell them that, like, oh wow, this is kind of crazy. You know, and obviously it's not gonna be like some uh light bulb for every single person in America, but I'm sure there's gonna be a, a great number of people that are like, you know what, that libertarian guy is making some sense. Yeah, and I feel like if if Joe Jorgensen wanted to make a difference in the 2020 election, she should have been a hard stance on being anti-lockdown. Oh, yeah, Because for sure. nobody, yeah. like even Donald yes. Trump wasn't even that anti-lockdown. So. Yeah, and, and, and kind of going with that, there was um, that Indiana governor race, and there was a, that libertarian uh, candidate there for governor. Um, it was, uh, I think his name was Donald Rainwater. And that was like his number one issue was like, I am anti-lockdown. We need to stop these lockdowns. We need to have people just return to work and live life like it's you know normal or anything like that. And the Republican and Democrat, like the Democrat was like full lockdown and the Republican was kind of like wishy-washy, like, yeah, you know, whatever. Blah, blah, blah. But the Libertarian was like, no, no lockdowns. And he actually did a pretty good job for a Libertarian. Like, I don't know how much, I think it was like maybe 15 or 20% of the vote. That's really good for a third party candidate. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, they also missed an opportunity with Occupy Wall Street. I mean, obviously, I don't agree with a lot of the politics from Occupy Wall Street, but there were real issues about the oligarchy and the feds and the and the relationship between the Federal Reserve and and uh, banking mm -hmm. and the finance industry. And the libertarians could have seized on that energy and said, yes, let's talk about this. You know, this is a real issue. Um, printing money is a tax that hurts the poorest people. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about how this actually is a little bit of an oligarchy or a kleptocracy or however you, you want to categorize it. Yeah. Um, and, and instead, they let the Bernie Sanders people like they let the socialists take that energy. Um, I just <laughs> doesn't give me a lot of confidence in the Libertarian Party's ability to do anything. I don't know. Yeah. And they, they really need to do something because. You know, people thought that, oh, this is a, a good opportunity for the libertarians in 2016. Trump and Hillary. Oh, man, this is our chance. We can maybe do something to to throw some smoke into the air and, you know, throw some bombs into the into the state, whatever. Not literally. I'm talking about, you know, well, maybe literally. I don't know. But anyway, like but again, you know, that's how you got Trump because of all this uh, stuff that happened in, during that time. And then in 2020, it was the same thing. So you have Trump and Biden, like seriously, Trump and Biden, really. And then they nominate Joe Jorgensen, and it's like, I don't know, like, what was their biggest media appearance, like on Dave Rubin or something like that? And even on that, it was kind of like, uh, I don't know, it's kind of – so it was like, yeah, every single opportunity, they're, they're just handed them. They're just handed opportunities, and they just go like, hop a tail, like, ah, throw it away, I don't know what to do with this. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> if they keep doing that, you're just going to be – you're going to continuously be the laughing stock of all politics, even more so than the Green Party. So, and the worst part is that then people who don't know about the whole drama with the Libertarian Party, then you, if they hear that you're somewhat libertarian in any way, then they're like, oh, so you're for that guy who doesn't know about Aleppo. Yeah, you don't know Aleppo. Uh, you don't, like you're, you're, you, uh, did you vote for the lady who got bit by a bat or that guy who stripped naked oh, on, yeah. on the debate stage? It's like the list goes on with all these stupid things that, that libertarians are associated with. And it's like, you know, why would a Republican who feels disassociated from the Republican Party, why would they vote libertarian? And if they see that and they go, well, I want to be in this, I want to kind of do something and feel like I can go somewhere. I do feel more 
related and more associated to my principles and my beliefs and everything like that. But I'm still going to vote Republican because at the end of the day, that they just have a better chance of winning. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you know, something that you've seen, I think in the last four years is you, you brought this up before, but when, um, when the Democrats lost to Trump, I don't think they did actually any soul searching at all. They didn't do any, you know, they just, they knew the reasons, right? Oh, it's because of racist deplorables. Okay. Done. So they, we solved that problem. Uh, America's a bunch of white supremacists. That's why we lost the end. But what they did do um, is they doubled down on the radical social justice ideology. Like even though Biden himself isn't, uh, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't say he's a social justice warrior. He's like a 90s Democrat kind of guy. Um, I, I think he's largely a puppet. And Kamala Harris, I think she started, she adopted a lot of the the kind of radical leftist talking points during the campaign to appeal to the left. You, ha you had the squad and the AOC uh, people come in during Trump's presidency, really try and push a radical agenda at first kind of get met with pushback from the Democrats. But I think the Democratic Party caved. And I think those ideas are now, you know, you see, you saw AOC vote for Pelosi for Speaker of the House. I think that's an implicit endorsement of like, yes, um, we're, we're the we're going to be the future. You recognize that we're going to be the future. We're going to support you in Speaker of the House as Speaker of the House now, and we are taking over the Democratic Party. And I think the the that radical arm has really taken over the Democratic Party. And I think you see a lot of regular old '90s style Democrats. That's why you have like the walk away movement. That's why they vote for Trump. That's why they're voting uh, not Democrat because the Democrats have gone kind of crazy radical. That could be an opportunity for the Republicans or someone to reinvent themselves. There's not really a question there either, but yeah, thoughts? I was, was going to say, because even though the progressives are very loud and their ideas seem to be popular, especially with the woke capitalism thing, they just, you know, BLM had a really good, um, I don't know, their message got picked yeah. up by basically everyone. Yeah, so BLM's I mean, uh, like um, marketing is, is top notch, <laughs> like yeah. top notch marketing over there. But then when you look at like actual, like, I don't know if anybody actually is actually super progressive even though it seems like it's a popular thing so they're doing like a really good job taking over the democrats so i don't know what do you think i mean yeah i mean for sure like the, the pelosi's of the world in that party they definitely feel threatened and i mean like when i when i found out that like aoc did actually just vote for pelosi as the uh, for speaker of the house whatever i would have been like well that would have been hilarious if you just voted present you know i was like oh yeah I, I'm AOC and I have, you know, we're, we're taking over the party. So instead of me voting for your, for your old lady Pete person or whatever, this reptile, I'm going to vote present. You know, I think that would have been kind of funny, but you know, whatever. Um, well, I think in the past, I think in the past she was more opposed, but I think what's happened yeah. over the past several years is I think there's been a recognition from the, the dinosaurs like Pelosi who are going to age out. I think they've recognized that, the AOC generation is is that's where the party's going and they're going to take over. And I think there's been some sort of reconciliation there, which is why I think that vote happened. Not to put too much. I don't want to place too much value on AOC, but she yeah. is a charismatic representative of that ideology. Yeah, that's definitely for sure. And I think that is a good point uh, about the, the recognition of of the future of that party. And I think the GOP kind of has to kind of know where, where their future is going to be, because. Like, is the Trump populism or like, is that still going to be a thing over there? Or are they going to go more towards like the libertarian ish type of 
uh, mentality because, you know, if you have, because before it was like the Democrat and Republican, they were basically like the same thing, two sides of the same coin in, in a way. But now you have, you do see like the Democrats kind of going more progressive and more of that, I guess, socialist type of, of uh, realm. And then the Republicans are kind of seem like they're just kind of like staying put. They're kind of being like, well, we're, I'm, you know, we're like the Mitch McConnell's and the Liz mm-hmm. Cheney's of the world. They're kind of staying in that area. But, you know, there are those, like the, like the Rand Paul's and the Thomas Massey's that are, that are in the Republican party. But in terms of like those type of people, those are the only two that I can think of. And I guess Justin Amash too, but he, you know, he, he's not there anymore. So you can't really count him anymore in that. But just those two now that I can think of, and I guess Mike Lee to an extent as well. Um, but it's just those guys. And then yeah. everyone else is either, well, did you support Trump or not? And that's basically yeah. the whole thing because, you know, if your whole party is surrounded by one guy, it's like, well, Trump's not there anymore. So either, you know, is it going to be like Eric Trump or Donald Trump Jr.? Are they going to be the new messiah over there or, or like what's going to happen? And you can't just they, they, you can't just like rely on the, the Bush family thing again, you know, like with the, with the Republicans oh, for man, who knows yeah. how long. Same with the Democrats and the Clintons and, and everything, I guess, and Obama to it for uh, also, um, which you can kind of say with Obama because now Biden's in. So you can kind of say he's going to basically kind of continue a lot of the Obama um, stuff. But yeah, I think the GOP definitely needs to, <laughs> they need to do some, they need to do something to do what they're changing uh, the guard over there or, you know, maybe the Libertarian Party will actually get their act together, which is a huge, it's a huge, like, I don't know. I wouldn't bet on it. There's they've well, got yeah, decades of, of yeah, evidence. That's, to that's, that's what I'm that. saying. Like, it's, that's like a huge, like, you know, you're uphill like, battle. yeah, uphill battle. Like, yeah. You, like, it's like trying to climb Mount McKinley for the Libertarian Party. Meanwhile, the Republicans and Democrats are only climbing like some like hill, you know, you know, so, yeah. Well, you know, as 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 Michael Malice again to quote him, I got to get him on the show now. Uh, to to quote Michael Malice, I mean, he, you know, he's famously said, you know, uh, conservatism is progressivism driving the speed limit, right. right? And I think I think what you've seen in the last four years or so is, you know, I think the Democrats were always socialist and and Marxist in, in a lot of their principles. Their principles were were largely collectivist, but they paid lip service to American values and the constitution and limited government and individual rights. They, they felt the need to hide their socialism and they no longer feel that need. Uh, it is blatant and it's out there. And I think while they were hiding it, the Republicans I think have been pretty weak yeah. the entire time. They've just kind of been saying, yeah, let's go slower. We, we you know, We'll do a little less of that thing. Uh, and and maybe, maybe if I if I want to be optimistic, maybe maybe the, the Trump presidency has awoken a large percentage of the population that realizes actually during my entire lifetime, we've been heading the wrong direction. And maybe we need to turn around. Well, yeah, I mean, with Trump's uh, presidency, a lot of the conservatives were basically silent on you know, the national debt and everything like that. They're kind of being like, you know, when Obama was president, they were crying about it every single day, but then they basically right. dipped their lips once Trump became president. Oh man, the, the debts went up more. What, it's almost at $28 trillion. Congratulations. And yeah, it's, it's going to be an interesting four years at least to see what's going to happen because if the GOP doesn't get their act together to, to some extent, then it's pretty much game over for them. They're never going to have a president ever again. It's like the Whig party. They're pretty much going to die. 
you know? Well, and you can bet the Democrats are going to do two things if they can. Um, one, they're going to um, they're going to legalize as many illegal immigrants as possible because they believe that even though some immigrants definitely are more libertarian or Republican, right. they the the Democrats I think with with good reason believe that the the majority of them will vote for leftist policies and vote Democrat. So obviously, if it was. If we had 13 million illegal immigrants who are all going to vote libertarian, the Democrats would be building the wall faster than you can possibly imagine and, and exporting people. Uh, but, you know, they they are pretty sure that that will help their voting block. So they'll do that and they'll probably try and bring D.C. or or um, Puerto Rico or something into statehood. Right. I, I think they've got a plan to permanently change. I mean, they've talked about changing the changing demographics of the United States. Um, and when they say demographics, what they really mean is voters, yeah. um, people that will vote the way we want. Uh, and so I'm not sure that the GOP, I, they might, this might be it. That might be, this might be it. it. There might be no way in hell for them to win again. Yeah. And that, that's what I was saying too, is that the, they, they really need to do something. I don't know what that something is, but they need to either either like i guess really embrace the trump populism or maybe they need to branch off into different factions or something like that i don't know what the correct answer is yeah i don't really know either because uh i don't know it seems like the democrats really have a stronghold now yeah because also with that the democrats have been playing offense and yeah. the republicans are playing like prevent defense like you know for for sports analogy yeah, what, i mean like they're not even conserving anything like, what are they, they're just, you know, just being pushed back against a fence every time. Right. Yeah. Like yeah, exactly. And, you know, it, it's kind of, um, it's kind of sad to see that type of thing because like, do you, it's one of those things where it's like, okay, do you want a one party rule? Because that's kind of what was going to, what's going to happen unless like the, the socialist part or like the socialist people in the Democratic party, they do take over. And then those people that they were that the socialists took over in that Democrat party, the minority then become their own party. And then those are the two parties again, it's going to be the socialist party against the democratic Republic party or whatever it's going to be called, you know, and then the Republican party is just now the Republican party is the third party. Now the libertarian party is going to be the fourth party, you know? So now the libertarian party again is last, or at least, you know, no one cares about the libertarian party anymore. So. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely a risk that we become, like a European country with two parties who are both some flavor of socialism. Uh, yeah. And, you know, I mean, those yeah, are, you, those are our voting choices. Yeah, exa exactly. I mean, you can kind of make the argument, I guess, that Republicans are kind of more, they're like, you know, like Democrats with that whole joke about, well, the Democrats fight for 31% tax rate and the Republicans vote for or want a 29% tax rate. Oh, wow. Great. What a, you know, awesome, <laughs> you know, so but the Republicans are happy to print money to make up the difference. So right, exactly. Oh, okay, that's yeah, good, there right? you go. Yeah. It, it'll make up the cost. You know, it's like, well, we'll lower your tax rate to 5%, like your income tax, but we'll make your property tax go up to 3%. How's that sound? That sounds terrible. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, one of the, one of the things that the left did really well, and I think it's why a lot of people feel blindsided by the, what, what they view as a sudden cultural shift is, you know, the Democrats owned education for decades, not not just at the university level, but all the way down to kindergarten. And, 
you know, um, when you've got statists indoctrinating people for three or four generations, I think where we are culturally is kind of inevitable. I mean, I don't know how you get out of this. Are you guys going to homeschool? Yeah, we're definitely going to homeschool. And I just wanted to say, I don't understand conservatives who are like super um, defensive of public school. It's like, so you want the people who are teaching your kids all this, you know, leftist stuff. You, you really want to defend that. I don't, I don't get it. Like, it's like you're defending public school is the most evil thing that we've done. I, I think it's, I think public school alone, if, if we didn't have public school, we might not be where we are. I mean, that alone might have solved our problems. Yeah, just abolish the Department of Education. You have one of the problems is gone pretty much right away, I would think. Well, I mean, you know, you can't if if people pay for the education that they get, then they're the customers and they have standards and suddenly things work much differently than if a government what government teacher is going to tell your kid uh, the government actually doesn't have a right to be taxing to fund education. <laughs> Like, I don't think that's ever going to come out of their mouth. Like, my job shouldn't exist. No right. one will say that, right? Um, so yeah. you're you're getting a very biased perspective um, by default, and and how could you not? Yeah, and, and all the funding that's been going into education for how many years, and it's yet not improving. Yeah, it, it's either not improving or you know it's getting worse, and it's just yeah, it's just a never ending cycle unless something's done to it where like i was saying just abolish the whole thing and just try something different the good thing is though i think um all the stuff that happened in 2020 a lot of people are considering homeschooling as Mm -hmm. a viable option because i think before a lot of people thought i mean there's this like uh typical like thing that you think of homeschool like oh they won't get socialization like people who don't know anything about homeschool will say stuff like that but i think I think like after 2020, more people are considering it. So, yeah, well, Zoom doesn't provide a lot of socialization either, it turns out. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah I, I, I that is a silver lining. I'm glad you brought it up. And by the way, I'm thank you for homeschooling your your child. I think that's the that's the if you want to resist homeschool, that's the thing to do. Um, yep. So the plan. Yep. Yeah, I, I, I do think people are starting to wake up to it, though. I think you're right. And. I think the the other thing that's happening is on these Zoom classrooms, parents are seeing some of the crap that students yeah. are being taught and they're realizing this sucks. Mm-hmm. Like there's not they're not really learning much. Um, and it turns out that Khan Academy is free so they can learn math for free online if they're going to be online anyway. Uh, if they bother to read any studies about socialization, they find out that that's a myth uh, that that, you know being socialized into a prison system is not really healthy for for your adulthood so uh yeah maybe maybe that'll be the silver lining maybe everyone will pull their kids out of public school yeah another thing too is that the kids don't have to worry about um possibly having to um like come in contact with violence or anything like that so there, there is that too, like the, your safety. I know safety is kind of like a bad word uh, nowadays, but in terms of like being like having your kid in school, like there's definitely that aspect of it as well that I think parents are also considering that, oh, well, I don't have to worry about, I don't have to worry about my kid getting punched in the face or something like that. 
Yeah, and like I don't know, like you you solved the school shooting problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, in my home school, we have firearms, so there will be school shooting, but it won't be that kind of school shooting. Well, there you go. Uh, yeah. It'll be school target practice. Um, yeah, and you've also seen, as you pointed out, uh, the standards have gotten so bad that if you look at what a high school graduate had to know a hundred years ago, uh, and compare it to what a high school graduate has to know now uh it's it's pretty pathetic mm -hmm. and um you know my wife and i talk about this because she's from china she grew up in shenzhen and uh she just she just looks at america and she thinks like you guys are fucked like, <laughs> yeah. you guys you're you're stupid and the only thing you had going for you was freedom and you're throwing that away so like you know why the hell would we even be here like there's no there's no reason to care about America anymore. Um, we're, our education is horrible. We're raising stupid generations and we don't even have the freedom. You know, we're building the social credit system here that China has. We're just doing it through Facebook and Google. So. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point about about all of that. Um, it, yeah, the whole like the whole like a school system here is it's an absolute joke. And, you know, it's another one of those things, too, where, like I was saying, all the money that gets thrown to it, and yet there's really nothing to show for it. And like you were saying, the kids are getting stupider and everything like that. That's why, like, uh, you know, Corey DeAngelis? Um, I don't. Oh, he's – you should interview him, actually. Um, he's an okay. uh, advocate for uh, school choice. Yeah. Um, I think he – who does he – work with is it um he, a couple different yeah he, institutions. he's uh, he's with the cato institute and also i believe the reason foundation yeah, as reason. well yeah. so yeah um but he talks about um if you're gonna have public funding for students why not give the funding to the students instead of to the schools so they can make a choice and i think that's a really good like step towards the right direction yep absolutely yeah but we have a kind of an irrational worship of public school teachers as well which is like, sure. it's such a it's such a noble thing what a great person you are for being a teacher uh and you know most teachers <laughs> i don't know i'm not impressed by most public school teachers i've ever met so uh yeah it might be nice to throw a little free market at them see if they can see if they can earn their keep yeah throw some uh, competition in there because That's right as far as I know, a lot of the teachers, they have like their uh, their pensions or something like that, like longevity or something like that, where they pretty much can't get fired or something like that. I don't know if that's true. But tenure? Yeah, tenure. There you go. Yeah. Well, that's the purpose of uh, teachers unions generally. It's not to help the students, it's to protect the teachers. And, mm -hmm. and now, you know, with – we can bring this up really, uh, you know – quickly because it's related to Biden. You know, one of the things one of the things Trump did that I liked was his executive order banning critical race theory education from government funded institutions. Yeah. Biden has already said if he's not he might have already done it by the time where <laughs> this show airs. He's he's getting rid of that executive order. I wouldn't be surprised if he mandated critical race theory um, and they will roll at his education, his his nomination for education secretary or whatever that title is. Uh, that person rolled out critical race theory all across high schools in in Connecticut. They are they're going to roll out indoctrination and that goes right through the public schools and the teacher unions will support it. They won't stand against it because it's exactly what they want to do anyway. And, you know, I don't know. We're supposed to be happy that they are kind of sort of sometimes teaching math and a little bit of reading. 
I, you can learn that on your own on the internet. I, I honestly believe that not going to school and sitting at home picking your nose is probably better. Yeah, I don't know. Everything you just said was just a better argument to, for homeschooling because why would you want your kid to learn critical race theory in school? Like, I feel like, like, what does that have to do with the actual education part? I thought you're supposed to learn skills for life. Yeah. Like most of the people that they come out of school, you know, I know like for me, I'm, de I was definitely one of them where it's like, I don't know how to do my taxes. I didn't really learn this in school. I don't know because, how to balance checkbook. Yeah. And stuff. I don't do that. I don't, I don't know about like a lot of the home school or homeschool. I don't know like a, a lot of the life skills that I should know, but I guess I know about, um, you know, geometry and I know about, you know, um, yeah, like critical race theory. So there is that. Yeah, I learned more from working at the age of 14 and up than I did from school. Yeah, absolutely. So. Yeah, school. I think one thing that people don't understand is the educational system has turned explicitly into activism. So mm -hmm. even if you look at if you look at the missions for I've looked at a lot of private schools recently uh, and even a lot of the private schools uh, and especially the public schools, their mission statements explicitly include building activists like creating citizen activists that's what they're trying to do they're not they're not trying to do you know what nico you had this kind of oh is aren't you supposed to be learning life skills like no that's not the goal of education anymore um or at least not the goal of our school system it is to create activists and i think they're doing a great job creating zombies uh you know zombie activists uh for the cause so. Yeah, but it's like activists for what? Like, the, oh yeah, we need more public school funding. Ooh, wow, what an activist! Well, they want yeah. activists for more, you know, policies that end up with government control. Basically, that's what it seems like. Like environmentalism and, and and climate change and all that stuff. Well, not only that, but all the you know the race based stuff. Oh yeah, that's true. All that yeah. Stuff. yeah, and 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 you know the 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 they want to decolonize like right so a lot of this is tied to the critical theories the you know the critical race theory uh the decolonization theories all that kind of pseudo postmodern stuff and they're they are very explicit about uh the goal being activism the purpose of the education is to kind of decenter whiteness and and they and they throw i mean it's really insulting to non-white people right they yeah. throw like reason and logic are white things right so like we need to decenter them i mean there there's there's books called social justice math uh and like they are actively attacking all of the kind of universal principles and rational thinking that basically have built civilization um so that's what they mean by activism Jeez. Kind of seems like you're going backwards then if we're going to say that those things are only born out of whiteness, and, whatever that means. You know, and the, the whole thing, like all that's about like anti-whiteness or whatever, like that was another one of the reasons too that like, you know, kind of going back with the Trump thing, that was another reason that Trump got so popular was that, well, you know, I will speak for you and everything like that. Like yes. all this continuous, like uh, looking down upon all, you know, like white people. I just wanted like to that. say I was watching the I, wa I actually watched the inauguration and in Biden's speech, he said that we need to defeat white supremacy and all that stuff. And I'm like, oh, he okay. said that. Yeah, he said that one of his things that he wants to do is defeat white supremacy. Sounds like a really good goal, right? How do you do? Yeah. And then like, like, you're so OK, you had like the storming of the Capitol going back to that. So 
what if they do it while you're working? Like, what if they actually like decide that we're going to actually do an actual storming of the Capitol? Like, this isn't a joke this time. Like, what if they actually go in there while these people are, are working and then they, you know, disrupt everything over there? And because, well, you were saying you were, gonna, you were trying to defeat me. I'm not a white supremacist. I know I'm a white guy, but I'm not a racist. Like, why are you calling me that? I'm not I'm not that. You know, so they're based. It's almost like they're trying to egg them on, and then they're yeah. surprised that stuff like this happens. It's like, well, you're basically getting you're you're basically getting what you're what, what's coming to you. Like, you're, it's like blowback in a way. You know? Oh, they're definitely creating the problem. I mean, I don't know how old you guys are, but uh, you know, I'm in my 40s, and when I was growing up, uh, was there white supremacy? Sure, and it was universally hated. Yeah. And like mm-hmm. anyone who like, if, if there was a whiff of anyone being. Uh, a white supremacist type type of person, they would be ostracized and ridiculed and vilified. And like we all everyone knows that's horrible. Like that's not that's not news. Um, And now I think what's happening, especially with the 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 lens through which they teach kids to view uh, view the world is they basically tell you you are a member like your identity is linked to your race and um you have two choices there are these people over here who think the white race is evil and responsible for all ills in all of society and throughout all of time and we need to decenter whiteness because whites are evil and there's these crazy radicals over here that are white supremacists and it's like well if you're a white kid and those are your two options uh some of the kids are going to choose the white supremacist option because the other one's just self-hating and no one is saying uh, hello, there's a third option, which is, you know, traditional <laughs> enlightenment values, liberal values of individualism that you can like, you're not, your identity isn't actually your race. That option has been removed from the table. So, so they're creating this problem. Yeah. And it's also with like the social media thing, when they ban all these so-called alt-right people or whatever, or like, I guess extremists or anything like that. And then they go to Parlor and Gab and they go, well, look at those alt-right yeah, people no, over there and Gab and Parlor's like, well, Gab, because you ban them off of your platform. So, you know, they're right. going there. Where else are they going to go? Yeah. Yeah. And it's gotten, I mean, we were just banned from Twitter. We were just suspended. We have no idea why. No I- communication, nothing, no warnings, Jeez. literally nothing. Just logged in, suspended. And we don't post weird QAnon stuff, right? Like we're not a strange account. Um, and I think, I think they are, you know, they are going to force people to go into these echo chambers of, you know, yeah, there's some weird people on Gab, right? There's some weird people on some of those platforms because those were the first people to get kicked out uh, of Twitter. And when, when you get kicked off of Twitter at the beginning, maybe you actually are kind of crazy. So now you've populated some of these other channels and, or these other platforms and uh, people are going to go over there because they have no place to go and it's going to become an echo chamber. Uh, but that whose fault is that? Right. I mean, yeah. And, and it wasn't yeah. even like I think when this whole social media thing started, I'm pretty sure maybe a lot of people weren't thinking this was going to happen because, you know, Twitter does have features called like, I don't know, I don't know if you've heard of it. It's called like, you know, the block button or, you know, you can mute these people or you can just unfollow them or just, you know, scroll by and be like, okay, well, that was interesting. I didn't, I saw that. I didn't want to see it anymore. So just, just scroll by it. Like, and, but instead they go, well, we're, we're just going to ban you off the platform completely. 
you know, when they give you, like they gave you these tools to be like, okay, well, I don't want, I don't want this type of material on my feed. So I'll block this person or I'll unmute these words or phrases. Cause I don't like it. I don't want to see it anymore. Like they gave you all those tools, but even Twitter is now basically saying, well, that's not enough. Now we are just going to like take them off the platform entirely. Well, it's cause that it's cause Twitter doesn't want you to see them anymore. Right. It's not, <laughs> right. they don't yeah. care what you want to see. They don't want you to see it. Uh, I see. So even if I block the person or if I mute them, that's not enough. Right. That's right. That's right. Wow. Well, uh, thank you both for joining. Can you remind people where to find you and uh, and where to follow you? Uh, yeah. So uh, like you were saying at the beginning there, um, at Shane Scalf, that's pretty much me and all the social media that you can probably think of. Minds, Twitter, um, MeWe. Uh, yeah, I think it was the, the trying uh, to expand other platforms. Yeah, I'm trying to expand. I you got me, we minds. Yeah. 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 Trying to expand uh, those. And, um, and also for our podcast, you can go to uh, youtube.com and then to search what's happening or go to youtube.com slash C slash what's happening. Or is I think it, it's still hop oh, hop supremacy. That's right. They yeah. wouldn't let us change the URL. That's right. But uh, yeah. But yeah, just uh, go there and uh, you should just go to the links. Um, they're usually in the description of the videos and we have all the other stuff you can find us at for the podcast and everything like that. So, yep. And my Twitter account again is at petite Nikoko. Um, and that's, yep. Yeah, I guess just follow me on Twitter. That's my main platform, but I am on mines too. Cause I'm trying to build over there, but maybe by the time you watch this, this mines will be banned. So I don't know. <laughs> mines will be dead. Yeah, yeah, probably. Well, thank you both again for joining. I really appreciate the conversation. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks for watching. If you're new to the channel, we have a deep content library that includes interviews with everyone from Mike Cernovich to Megan Murphy. So go check it out. If you'd like to see more, please consider supporting the show by visiting unsafespace.com slash donate. You can find us on all the major social media platforms, at least for now, and you can find a community of like-minded individuals on our Unsafe Space chat on Telegram. See you there. Warning. This is an unsafe space. Dangerous ideas have been detected. The content of this production has not been authorized by the Cathedral. Pay no attention to it. For your protection, the following co-conspirators have been unpersoned and marked for cancellation. Please do not take any investment advice from these individuals. Here's a fun fact from the Nobel Prize Committee. Mass graves are actually quite peaceful. If you think about it, no one should be allowed to express opinions. But don't. Think about it, I mean. That's not your job. Thinking has been scientifically proven to be less efficient than compliance. Did you know that wearing N plus one masks is safer than wearing N masks? Computer voice Curtis, never mind, that last line is fake news.
please disregard it and return to your safe space immediately. There will be cake.